text is Ecclesiastes 12, verse 1. Remember also your creator in the days of your youth, before the evil days come and the years draw near of which you will say, I have no pleasure in them. Brothers and sisters in our Lord Jesus Christ, if an opinion poll were taken in the general public as to just what people think about living the Christian life, it wouldn't be hard to imagine what many would say. Religion, many would say, may be all right for women and little children, and especially, of course, the aged. But it's not for the adventuresome. It's not for the young, the strong, and the restless who really want to live. Rather, Christianity is for the later years, they say, if at all. And maybe I'll get serious about it then. But to put it the way a popular movie many years ago already put it so well, heaven can wait. Yes, heaven can wait. Well, it's in the face of this kind of thought and counter to what the world either believes or practices, that our text says, remember your creator in the days of your youth, before the days of trouble come, and the years approach when you will say, I find no pleasure in them. Yes, remember your creator in the days of your youth. This exhortation is a profound one and a word of warning, which, as we'll see, is very weighty for three reasons. It's profound because of its pastoral source, because of its urgent plea, and because of its blessed reward. Yes, it's of crucial importance, I repeat, because of its pastoral source, its urgent plea, and its blessed reward. First of all, as we look at our text in Ecclesiastes 12, we must remind ourselves again that its source is not the mind of man, nor the reservoir of worldly wisdom. Rather, its source is what we have called pastoral. And when I say pastoral, I don't mean that it comes first of all from your pastor or from myself, but that it comes from the pastor of all pastors, the shepherd of all shepherds, who is the chief shepherd of the sheep. For as Ecclesiastes 12 verse 11 says, the words of the wise are like goads, they're collected sayings like firmly embedded nails given by one shepherd. Be warned, my son, of anything in addition to them. Yes, these are the words of the one shepherd who was none other than our Lord Jesus Christ, the one who so loves you and I, the sheep, his sheep, the good shepherd who, as he says in John 10, verse 11, protects his sheep to the point of laying down his life for them that they might find pasture and feed on that which is good, that they might be spared from the 
thieves and the strangers who come only to steal, to kill, and to destroy, and that they may have life and have it to the full. Throughout the entire book of Ecclesiastes, it's actually this shepherd who has been teaching us to hunger and thirst after righteousness. And not the futile, empty, and disappointing things of this world which are passing away. And are therefore, as he continues to say, futile, or vain, or meaningless. Instead, he says, hunger and thirst after me. For whoever comes to me will never go hungry. And whoever believes in me will never thirst. And with similar words, he says the same thing. When in the conclusion of this book, in verse 13 of the last chapter, he says, fear God and keep his commandments in order to impress upon us that this is what makes our life truly rich. But he's also been that shepherd who has been using his staff as a goad, as something to prod us and to, to get our attention, says verse 11, to keep us from falling prey to those rustlers and strangers which are nothing other than the dangerous ideas and thought patterns and lifestyles presented to us and coming at us in this world. He says, watch out. Wake up. Look beyond the horizons of this futile world to the judgment seat of God and to life everlasting. For from this world's depraved point of view, under the sun, people think they can find satisfaction in seeking their own self-centered desires. They think that wealth can actually bring happiness and that pleasure in things is what brings contentment. That the playboy philosophy that so marks the world can give fulfillment they think that the same fate awaits the wicked as the righteous, animals as well as mankind. And they think, as Ecclesiastes 10 verse 19 says so well, that a feast is made for laughter and wine makes life merry. But money is the answer for everything. But also, they think that youth is for parting it up to let your hearts run wild in sensuous living, and in that, to be happy. That youth is the time to be irresponsible, and that you can reserve for old age, perhaps, a bit of religion and the time to get serious with God. And it's against this deadly way of thinking that the shepherd presses his urgent plea and says, remember your creator in the days of your youth. Yes, and secondly, 
the plea to remember your creator is urgent and it shouldn't be difficult to figure out why. For if you only consider for a moment what the world actually thinks about youth and good health, whether it be at age 13, 23, 33, 43, or whatever, the world glorifies youth. It idolizes young age. And though it desires youth in order to seek out sensual desires and not to please God, the fact that youth is so highly prized and valued points to one fact that it is so very elusive and it slips away so very fast. Thus the days of trouble come and the years approach when you will say, I find no pleasure in them. And Ecclesiastes proceeds to poetically paint a picture of life as it ebbs away. Of a life when it is too late to use the vigor and opportunities of youth for what it was intended to be given to the service of its creator. For you see, God gives a time to really live a time to use the energy, opportunities, and possibilities of youth for what it was intended to pursue godly activities and labors to be spent for righteousness' sake. And that's why young people and young adults should have the privilege of being involved in work service projects for the building up and mission of the church to go where our missionaries are and be a part of that from time to time, whether locally or abroad. To have a part in leading services at the lodge or the old people's home, helping the seniors also from the church who are still in their homes with their yard work. Helping raise money for godly Christian causes. Giving themselves to reform political action such as such as ARPA, taking every opportunity to attend retreats and conferences intended to build them up and guide them into the life to which Christ has called them, and to seriously consider, pray for, and prepare for now the prospect of being a godly husband or wife, father and mother, which the Lord is most likely calling you to be. The whole idea of young men, as we, we see this all around us today, just, just fooling around and just having fun into their 30s and sometimes even beyond and becoming what some Christian Leaders actually have a name for this, and they call them bands. Bands, B-A-N-S. Why? Because by living this kind of life, they have effectively banned themselves from manhood, from becoming a man. 
and maturing into what God would have them to be. It's a wasting of youth. And we see the same thing today with young married women many times who, for the sake of their careers, as the world tells them, you're not worth anything unless you've got a career outside the home, they definitely put off and deprive themselves of the blessings of motherhood. Youth is for the giving of ourselves to the service of God and to others. Because like planting time, which continues only so long, the winter of old age will soon be upon us when we will all be weak and limited if we are alive at all. When, if we don't heed this text, there will be nothing besides the frailty of old age to think about, but the remorse and regret of a misspent youth and a wasted life. And our society is full of, of old people who are bitter, regretful, empty, for this very reason. People who like Eli in the Bible, who failed to bring up his sons in the fear of the Lord, could only look back, could only see now in his weakness and remorse the cost of failing to do what he should have done when he was young. Yes, though the world tries to propose the sham that youth is for sinful enjoyment. Ecclesiastes says that God gives wisdom, knowledge, and happiness to the man who pleases him. I've been told that the life of a firefly is very short, that they have their opportunity to shine in the night, but for a few hours in order to fulfill the very purpose of their being. That's it. The window is very small. Well, so it is with us. A short time to plant in righteousness that we may harvest the same. A short time to use our youth for Christ and to set the course of our life for eternity for blessing or woe, rejoicing or remorse. And therefore, our shepherd urgently pleads with us, remember your creator in the days of your youth. Now perhaps, somebody might still be thinking, I'm not convinced. Is there not time to live for yourself? To have your fling? Or as they used to say, to sow your wild oats and then get serious with God? This brings us to our last point. We must understand our text not only in terms of its pastoral source and its urgent plea, but thirdly, its blessed reward. You see, giving your youth and strength to the service of Christ is not only one of 
fearing God and keeping his commandments and of living contrary to the world. But it's a life of intense joy and contentment that yields a reward so different from the world. For the pleasures of the world is a pleasure which either kills or maims the body and the spirit. Pleasures that do not exalt life, but that diminish life. Pleasures characterized by drinking and drugs that lead to hangovers and dependence. Music and entertainment which leads to insatiable lust and perversion of mind. Relationships which lead to heartache and loneliness and hurt. Pleasures which lead only to pain. And as Proverbs 7 verse 7 describes so terribly, to a death all its own. Such are the so-called pleasures of the world. But the reward of godliness is so different. For it's peace of mind and wholesomeness. That's the sense that you're not missing out, but you're getting the best. It's freedom from an accusing conscience and the assurance as God's child in Christ of life everlasting. It's life lived to the fullest according to the God-ordained purpose of our creator. A life which embraces a pleasure and a treasure that nothing in this world can ever give. The deep down honest contentment of a life which like a cup running over results in more than we could ever hope or imagine. The choice of how you're going to live your life from here on end of course is up to you. But the younger you are, the more you stand to lose. And the older you are, the closer you are to losing. The devil says, what's the rush? You can always get serious about God later. Hold off on your commitment to Christ. Enjoy the world. But, says Galatians 6, verse 7, do not be deceived. A man reaps what he sows. The one who sows to please his sinful nature will from that nature reap destruction. The one who sows to please the Spirit from the Spirit will reap eternal life. May all of us here who consider themselves young which is most of us, more or less, at least who consider ourselves young. Oh, may we take the words of Paul to Timothy to heart. Don't let anyone look down upon you because you are young, but set an example for the believers in speech, in life, in love, in faith, and in purity. 
brothers and sisters, and especially you younger brothers and sisters, this is the life that you were called to live. For it was to enable you to live this kind of a life, real life, that the shepherd of your souls, Jesus Christ, laid down his life in the very prime of his youth so that you could live out yours in and for him. It's this same shepherd who says, I have come that you may have life and life to the full. And it's this shepherd who says to you today, remember, yes, remember your creator in the days of your youth.